Psalm 23, uh, we're going to read it out of the ESV, and this is what the word of the Lord says. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you would, let's pray together. Uh, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and God, I pray for your anointing now. Um, I pray for the people who are gathered here and those who are watching online. Give them eyes to see what you want to show them and ears to hear what you want to say to them. We love you. We love your word. May we be changed by its truths. It is in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. 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 Uh, so today we are focusing on uh, these words of King David. He says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I really like the way that Eugene Peterson translates this verse in the message. Uh, Peterson uh, translates it this way. He says about the good shepherd, he says, he sends me in the right direction. How beautiful is that? He sends me in the right direction. Church, be honest with me for a moment, if you would. When it comes to your faith, are you more concerned with doing the right things or with not doing the wrong things? Like, are you more concerned with mistakes that you have made in your past or who you're becoming in the present? Are you more concerned with your missteps or your current steps? Because uh, here's what I see. I think far too many people uh, waste far too much time and far too much energy worrying about where they have been and they don't focus nearly enough on where they're going. Christianity as a religion has something to say both about our sinning and our sending. When we meet Jesus, he doesn't just forgive us for our past, but he sets us on a new path. God doesn't just forgive us of our transgressions, but he sends us in a different and correct direction. We aren't just forgiven of our sin, but we're sent on mission. I sometimes think that we miss this a lot of times. Like, I know that when we talk about the, the gospel, we know what the gospel is. We know that it means God so loved the world that he saves, but I think we often forget that it also means God so loved the world that he sins. John 3, 16 is in there. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is in there as, as well. You know, one of the ways that me, and there are many, okay, one of the ways that me and my wife are very different people is that uh, she loves to know how uh, a TV show or a movie is going to end before she watches it. Like, Bethany is like the one person in the world I know who loves a good spoiler. Any of y'all like that? Bunch of weirdos, okay? Come on. 
Um, my family, we have a couple of uh, reality TV shows that we really like to watch together. We love the TV show, Here Comes Honey Boo Boo, and we love Naked and Afraid. That, that's not true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I'm just joking. I'm not judging, but I am joking, okay? Um, we have a couple of reality TV shows that we watch together as a family. We, we love uh, Survivor, and we love The Amazing Race. And... Um, we have watched pretty much every season of those. I mean, it's pretty awesome when they put them on Netflix or Amazon Prime. You can go back and watch a whole season like in, in one shot. And so we have watched most of those. And legitimately, I'm telling you, my wife enjoys those shows way more if she knows who the winner is before we watch them. Like something about for her about knowing who's going to win just allows the whole thing to just sort of slow down and she can relax and uh, appreciate it. Now... About a month ago, I felt like I got a word from the Holy Spirit that I was supposed to share with my wife. And um, this was based really on, I think, her wanting to know the ending in advance and how much that allows her to appreciate and enjoy the journey. And this is the word that I felt like the Spirit wanted me to to share with her. I was supposed to say to her, uh, Bethany, when uh, the story of our lives has been written, and everything is said and done, I will still be here, and you will still be loved. Really feel like the Holy Spirit stirred that in me. It's like, this is something that your bride needs to hear. This is something that you need to say to her. You need to look her in the eyes, and you say, Bethany, when the story of our lives has been written, and everything is said and done, I'll still be here, and you'll still be loved. And so last week, I had the opportunity. We don't get a whole lot of time alone, but we were sitting on the, the couch together, and the kids were at school in the afternoon. And so I tapped her on the shoulder. I looked her in the eyes, and I shared, um, I shared those words with her. And the reason I think the Spirit wanted me to say those things to her, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, I think I was supposed to say it because it's true and because I meant them. Um, but two... I think I was supposed to say it because if she would let that truth in her heart, like if she really knew that whether I go first or she goes first, when the show is over, I'm still going to be here and she's still going to be loved. I'm like, man, if she would just let that in, I think it would allow her to let go of a lot of insecurity that she experiences, a lot of fear that she holds on to, and a lot of doubt. Like, I think if you would just, it's like, kind of like the TV show or the way she is with TV shows. I'm like, if you could just see this with the end in mind, maybe it would allow you to slow down and just take in the journey and really appreciate it uh, as it comes. With that being said, church, I feel like the Holy Spirit has given me a word that I'm supposed to share with you all today. And here it is. If you have a relationship with God by way of Christ Jesus, when the story of your life is written, and everything is said and done, God will still be there, and you will still be loved. Do you hear me? If you have a relationship with God by way of Christ Jesus, when the story of your life has been written, and everything is said and done, God will still be there, and you will still be loved. You know, that's the kind of truth that ought to change the way we walk. That's that's the kind of truth that I think has potential to bring peace to our weary souls and it allows our anxious minds to rest and it should be motivation for us I think to take the next right step. God will still be there and you will still be loved. In many ways this is the message of the resurrection that even in 
the depths, even in the pit, even in the grave, God will still be there and love still resounds. One thing I think we can say confidently about Jesus is that whenever we come to the end, we will see him. Whenever we are at the end of ourselves, I think we can confidently say he will be there. And maybe if you would allow that truth to sink into your heart, like if you really believed it, if you really embrace the fact that when the story of your life's over, God's going to be there and you're still going to be loved, maybe that would allow you to lay down some fear and to lay down some anxiety and to lay down some doubt and just enjoy the path and journey he set you on. Are you with me, church? Maybe by knowing how it's going to end, you can better appreciate the journey. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, the Apostle Paul said these words. He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Uh, church, what I think Paul is trying to tell us there is something that you've probably heard pastors say over and over again throughout the years. You weren't just saved from something. You were saved for something. Don't be so focused on your past that you miss his path. And now that you know how it's going to end, now that you know, because David's telling us, he sends you in the right direction. He has set the path for you. Your only responsibility is to walk, to step, to take the next right step. In the words of the great Lady Vall basketball coach, Pat Summit, our only responsibility is left foot, right foot, breathe. Left foot, right foot, breathe. This past Sunday night, we had our third uh, Haitian Creole worship service. And um, these things, I love them. It's one of my favorite things that our church has done in a long, long time. Um, but this is the third one. And listen, they're building quite the community of, uh, of Haitian folks at these things, okay? Kobe does a great job of preaching. Edson does a great job when it comes to uh, hospitality. Sam does a great job of leading worship. Like we've had conversations recently about trying to do them more often because they're enjoying them that much. But one of the complications about doing a service um, here at the club on a Sunday night is that it requires, uh, we, we need people who are willing to come back at night and help us tear down, okay? Because every Sunday morning we have church and we already have, like you all are already like a built-in workforce, you know what I mean? So when service ends typically on a Sunday morning, uh, people will help put their chairs up and help us get everything down. Well, that's a little bit different on these Sunday nights, especially on this past Sunday night, because for the first time they decided that they were going to have uh, a meal together after the service, okay, which meant that most of the Haitian population, they were going to move into to sharing a meal together, and so it was just whoever came back at 7.30 or 8 o'clock to, to tear down. And so our numbers were pretty low this past Sunday night in terms of how many people we had here to, to help, and um, I went out, and we were almost done, but I went out to take down the sign out front, and I was up on the ladder, and I was remo removing it, and um, in uh, walked, I see Andy Coleman pull in, and, um, and he gets out, and he's coming in to help, and uh, what you need to know about Andy is uh, Andy is um, probably the key cog in making our church go, okay? 
he, uh, he is almost always the first person here on Sunday mornings for setup, and he's almost always one of the last people to leave when we were finished, and he had already had that kind of day on a Sunday morning, but here he was at 7, 38 o'clock, and he's popping back on the scene to help again. So we come in, like I said, we're almost finished, but we come in and we tear the few things that are left down, and Andy and I are standing in the lobby, and we get to have a conversation just one-on-one, and I say to him, Andy, I said, um, listen, oh, if... Uh, I've been swimming in this verse. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He, he sends me in the right direction. And so I said to Andy, I said, hey, if, uh, if, you, if you die, uh, when you die, uh, this verse, if I get a chance to preach your funeral, I think this is the verse that I'll share at your funeral. He said, okay, uh, why, why would that be? And so I explained it, it to him. I told him, I said, Andy, I don't know anybody who allows their lives to be better dictated by the Holy Spirit than you do. Like um, Andy Coleman is the kind of guy who's reached a stage in his life where he typically does the right thing even when he doesn't want to. And um, if you know Andy, you know that what I'm saying here is true. I mean, don't get me wrong, if you know him really, really well, you know he can be pretty crotchety, right? I mean, like, yeah, there it is. Andy's the kind of guy who uh, will not want to do, but he still does. Who will not want to show up, but he still shows up. Who uh, may not want to serve in the moment, but he still serves. He lives his life, it's the thing I appreciate the most about him, he lives his life according to this sort of holy inner compulsion. Like he's got this thing inside of him that it's like even when his brain appears like, I would really like to just sit on the couch. I would really like to do this. He allows this Holy Spirit, that's what I would call it, this holy force inside of him to direct his steps anyway. He wants to stay and the Spirit's like, nope, sorry, you don't get to stay. You go. Everybody else can stay, but you got to go. Andy has learned to side with the Holy Spirit against himself. And I love that. I think that would be a great lesson for all of us. If we could learn what it looks like in our lives to side with the Holy Spirit over ourselves. Whenever our minds are like, I want rest, I want comfort, I want to stay, but the Holy Spirit's going, no, you gotta go. If we became the kind of people who went, I think it would be good for all of us. It would be good for all of our souls. Andy lives his life according to that holy compulsion, that spiritual gumption. And, um, if you know that to be true about Andy, we say amen now. Amen. Okay, making sure I'm not the only one who sees it. And now I'm going to have to make up something stupid to say at his funeral. Just wasted good material. I'll probably go first. You know, some of the holiest moments in my life, I have experienced them reluctantly. And I think that's important for you all to know and to hear and to understand. This is what I mean by that. Like some of the holiest moments in my life have been mission trips that I didn't want to go on, but I went on anyway. Stages I didn't want to walk up on, but I walked up on them anyway. Hospital rooms that I didn't want to go into, but I walked into them anyway. Because here's what happens. The more we show up, the more faithful God is. The holiest men and women I know aren't perfect. They're just people who've really learned to prioritize the voice of the Holy Spirit in their lives. 
They have learned to trust the voice of the good shepherd more than they trust their feelings. They've learned how to surrender to that holy, that holy voice inside that holy compulsion, that spiritual gumption. They've learned to listen to the Holy Spirit more than they listen to their comfort or to their feelings. Henry Nowen says this about the Holy Spirit in his book, A Cry for Mercy. He says, the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus promised to his followers, is the great gift of God. Without the Spirit of Jesus, we can do nothing. But in and through his Spirit, we can live free, joyful, and courageous lives. We cannot pray, but the Spirit of Christ can pray in us. We cannot create peace and joy, but the Spirit of Christ can fill us with a peace and joy that is not of this world. We cannot break through the many barriers that divide races, sexes, and nations, but the Spirit of Christ unites all people in the all-embracing love of God. The Spirit of Christ burns away our many fears and anxieties and sets us free to move wherever we are sent. There is a, um, there's a great old news story. And um, the way it came to my attention was I read a, a letter that uh, Kurt Vonnegut wrote to his daughter, Nanette. And in this letter, he, he referenced this old-timey news story. Um, but according to this news article, uh, there was an old lady, older lady, and she was uh, driving her car through a suburb, like through a, a subdivision. And according to the newspaper, she uh, lost control and she drove through the front yards of all of these suburbs. And so she's like through the suburb, through the suburbs, like she was knocking down picket fences, she was knocking down mailboxes, shrubbery, I mean, just clean, letting it go. And then when she got to uh, the end of the subdivision, a strange thing happened, uh, she U-turned, and she came back through the backyards of every house that she had already. And so this time she's coming and she was taking out more fences and she was taking out like barbecues and grills and kids play sets. I mean, she just tore up the whole thing. And when she got to the end, she finally hit like a barrier that caused her to stop. And a police officer showed up on the scene, goes to the car. It is just this one uh, old lady there. And he says to her, you know, why did you not just, why didn't you just hit the brakes and stop and turn off the ignition? And uh, the lady responded to the police officer and said, I was too busy steering. I was too busy steering. Uh, she had been in control the whole time. And so she was responsible for the wreckage. Church, I ask you this morning, how many of you all have lived uh, your life long enough and made enough mistakes in life that you know you're probably not the best guide for your own life? Seriously, like how many of you have made enough mistakes that you're like, you know, uh, I'm probably not the one who should have my hands on the steering wheel. I think one of the best things that can happen for young people is for them at some point pretty early on in their spiritual journey for them to have a, a moment where they come to question their own discernment. Like some small mistake, some, some sort of small failure, maybe they choose the wrong boyfriend or, or girlfriend or uh, they choose the wrong career or they just take the wrong path and they realize, oh, this is what happens when I'm in control. And the reason I think that's so important is because once a person, it takes a person often experiencing that and questioning their own discernment before they'll even consider God's discernment. 
It's like we have to get to a point where we go, uh, I, I can't trust myself. I can't trust my own will. I can't trust my own way. Maybe I should try somebody else's will and somebody else's way. As long as we think we are good gods, we won't see any need for a good God. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, as long as we think we got it and we're, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in, then we, there's, it's only after we recognize, oh, I may not, I probably shouldn't have the wheel, you know? I, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people have to sit in the wreckage of their own bad decisions before they'll even consider somebody else's opinion. Like a lot of people have, it's a sad thing about our society, uh, but I think a lot of people really have to feel like, feel, have the experience of going in the wrong direction before they'll uh, allow God to send them in the right direction. Like we have, to, we have to see the damage and experience the wreckage for ourselves. Why? Because we are too busy steering. And this isn't just my idea, but the 23rd Psalm, uh, written by King David, I mean, think about what David did uh, in his life when he was steering, when he had control. Mark talked about it some last week. It's 2 Samuel chapter 11, chapter 11, David messed everything up. Bible says in those verses that at a time all kings were at war, David was at his house at the palace. And not only was he at the palace, but he was like sleeping all day long. The Bible literally says about David that he got up off the couch in the afternoon and went up for a walk on the roof of the palace when he should have been at battle. And while he's on the roof, he looks down, he sees Bathsheba bathing, he sends some men to go get her, he sleeps with her, she gets pregnant, he finds out that she's the wife of one of his men in his military, Uriah the Hittite, he sends Uriah to the front lines where Uriah is brutally murdered, and that's what happened when David controlled his own steps, you know? That's what happened when uh, David was steering, and God was infuriated with him. In that one indiscretion, it cost David the loyalty of his men. He lost his child, and he almost lost the kingdom. And there he was sitting in the midst of wreckage and damage that his control had caused. Him being the own God of his own life and church, this for me is what makes this verse in Psalm 23, verse 3, so powerful. When David says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, he sends me in the right direction. Listen, David was a man who knew what it felt like to go the wrong way. And so he loved God for sending him in the right one. David was a man who knew what it felt like when he tried to guide his own life. And so he was so excited to have a good shepherd now leading his life. In Psalm 119, one of my favorite Psalms, David consistently talks about the commands of God. And he says in those verses, he goes, God, I love your commands. I love your precepts. I love your dictates. Now, why would David say that? Because David knew what it was like to live according to his own rule and his own way. He had seen the failures. He had sat in the wreckage. And so now he's going, Oh, God, I love it when you tell me what to do, because when I do what you say, it always ends up being good for your glory and for my good. So David's going to just tell, tell me more. I'm listening. Oh, he leads me in paths of righteousness 
for his name. He sends me in the right direction. I know what it feels like to go in the wrong direction, and I'm so grateful to have a good shepherd who sends me in the right one. Now, at the end of that verse, 23-3, David tags it with this line, which is very important. We don't have a lot of time to get into it today, but he says these words. He does this. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. Why does he do it? He does it for his name's sake. Now, we all know God is passionate about his name. It's all throughout, especially the Old Testament. Isaiah 48, verse 11. God says, for my own sake, for my own sake I do it, for, for how should my name be profane? My glory I will not give to another. Ezekiel 20, 44, and you shall know that I'm the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake, not according to your evil ways, nor according to your corrupt deeds, O house of Israel, declares the Lord God. Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Church. God takes his name seriously, and he takes his reputation seriously. And I think we need to understand that the health of the sheep is a reflection on the quality of the shepherd. The best way for us to show the world that our God is love is for us to live as the beloved. You know, when that text says there, in the Ten Commandments, that we aren't supposed to take the Lord's name in vain. Um, I know growing up, a lot of people t- took that to mean like, you know, you, don't, you can't say it as a cuss word. You know, you just shouldn't say like, don't, don't say the name of Jesus unless you really meant it. Or don't say, you know, God, you, you just, you can't. You, it's, it was kind of all about it being a profanity, you know, like trying to be careful with its usage. But in the Hebrew, it's, it's much more, it's much less about us not profaning his name. And it's much more about how we carry his name. It's like when, when it says that don't take the Lord's name in vain, it's saying, don't carry the Lord's name in vain. Be careful with it. It's almost like, I mean, I got the, the king crew sitting right here on the front row, and it's like Tim and Michelle telling their boys, hey, you're a king, and when you leave this house, act like a king. You represent our name, okay? People, be careful how you act, because there are certain things, it's the same thing. That's what we hear when, when we're talking about carrying the Lord's name, okay, about it being for his name's sake. He's going, you're my son, you're my daughter, and there's a certain way we should behave in, the, in this world. There are certain things that come along with being a bearer of the name of God, a son and daughter of the king. He is very passionate about his own name, and we need to make it a priority to carry his name well. Today, I know some of you came into this place And when you look at your life, you know you have been headed in the wrong direction. Why not let today and this moment be the day that you surrender your life to God and allow him to set you in the right direction? A lot of you come in today and I know that you're looking at your life and all you think about, like when it comes to your relationship with God, I know this is true. Many of you, you come in here, and when it comes to your relationship with God, all you think about is your failed past, all the mistakes that you made back then. Why not let today be the day you stop focusing so much on your past and you allow him to set you on a new path? When it comes to the gospel, when it comes to Christianity, 
There's a message in, in this religion about both sinning and sending. God so loved, he saves. God so loved, he sins. Our only responsibility is to take the next right step. Left foot, right foot, breathe. And here's the really good news, church. Even in our failures, even when we stumble, as long as we have been set on the right path, if you have a relationship with God through Christ Jesus, when the story of your life has been written and everything is said and done, God will still be there and you will still be loved. Pray with me. Father, let the truth of that seek in. I pray it in Jesus' name. I pray for every person in here that they would see right now an image of the end of their days and they would recognize that you're by their side and that you're holding them close and you're holding their hand and that you're there and love is still there. And God, may that give them joy for the journey. May it give them the energy necessary to take the next right step. God, help us to be a people who learn from Andy, who learn from our brothers and sisters who show us this way, what it looks like to live uh, our lives according to a holy compulsion. Help us to be a people who trust the voice of the Good Shepherd more than we trust our feelings and who do what it says even when we don't want to do and who move even when we don't want to move because we've learned what it means to side with the Spirit over the self. Move in our midst today. There's some folks in the room today who need to lay some stuff down and let some stuff go and pursue a new way. I pray for somebody that today would be the beginning of a new journey. Set them on the right path. In the words of Eugene Peterson, I pray today that there'd be some people in the room who are going the wrong way that you would send in the right direction. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.